before we get into the sermon this morning, uh, I want us to just pause for a little bit, and it's already actually been talked about, but I want to just draw, um, draw this out a little bit more. And that is the fact that there's 28 kids up at Cascade with six uh, staff that are discipling these kids on a winter retreat. And I don't know if you guys know this, but in the history of our church in the last 13 years, we have not even come close to sending that many kids off to winter camp, which is just absolutely amazing that that's taking place right now. Um, it's these moments that God does really significant things in the hearts of, of kids and, and teenagers. I'm in full-time ministry because a crazy adult, a group of crazy adults thought it would be cool to send 30, 40 high schoolers down to Tijuana, Mexico on a mission trip. And uh, as much as we went down there to bless that church, uh, the reality is um, we were blessed way more than probably that church. They, they have to deal with us, a bunch of teenagers running around. Um, and... God did an amazing work in my heart, and um, we're praying for that for, for our youth that are up there right now, and Joe and his team are doing an amazing job, and um, I just have this feeling, don't know if it's true, don't know if it's of the Lord or just heartburn, right? Don't know sometimes, but um, this summer, as we get ready for summer camp, um, man, how many kids could we possibly send then? And... Uh, I know God's doing an amazing work. So with that being said, week three of Win Your War, uh, we are on this journey of realizing that every single one of us has an inner dialogue. And every single one of us, if we're willing to be honest, um, is honest about that dialogue. But it's not just the dialogue that we have to be honest about. We have to be willing to recognize that every single one of us is working through the truth and the sanctifying work of Jesus's word in our lives. And that for all of us, we are wrestling with, with lies that we've believed because of things that we've either experienced in our life, trauma, uh, things we've experienced in our childhood growing up. We are wrestling with understanding is, is am I living out truth or am I living out a lie? Am I believing a lie or living out the truth of God's word? And not only are we in a war of, of, of feeding uh, the right voice in our hearts and our minds. But in addition to that, here's what's crazy, is science is starting to catch up with Scripture in the sense of, like, we can actually heal our brains. We can actually transform the way we think. We can actually transform our hearts and our minds. And that it's not just what God's Word says, but science is actually backing that up. And this has only been taking place in the last, like, 20 or 30 years. And it's changing the way even the medical field is helping people not only learn, people that have learning disabilities, they're realizing, oh, we have to help reprogram brains, train our brains to think differently in regards to counseling. It's changing the way people are doing counseling now. Um, and so uh, we have the ability to actually have our minds and our hearts transformed and actually win the war in our hearts and our minds to where we actually are set free from bondage, set free from the lies that the enemy has ingrained in our lives. Um, and so we've been on this journey and we're kind of progressing through this journey. And just to recap, step number one, we talked about week one, recognize that you have the power to choose your beliefs and thoughts that you can win your war. You don't have to be a victim. You can choose 
to walk in the life. You can choose to walk in the light. You can choose to walk in truth. The question is, are you going to choose that? Are you going to, are you going to walk and lean into that? Or will you continue to be deceived and trust lies? And really, the real reality of this is that if we, if we have the ability to choose, then we also have the ability to choose, choose death. And, and scripture talks about that. Choose for you today. Either life or death. Blessings or cursing. Step number two, you can capture and take captive the lies of the enemy and make them obedient to Christ. We talked about this Corinthians passage last week, that you can capture and take captive the lies in your life, and you can make them obedient to Jesus. Much like the Dallas Cowboys are going to capture and tackle the San Francisco 49ers this afternoon, and we're going to win and move on the playoffs. I'm sorry, 49ers fans, Joel and Jenny. Our relationship may never be the same after this afternoon. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Um, anyway, uh, we can choose our beliefs. We can capture and take captive the lies in our hearts. Now, this is a process, and this takes time. It takes God's word, his spirit, and his people coming together. And I know that because I've experienced it. And for the, any of you guys who have been a part of real life, you've heard my story. You've heard this part of my story. And if you're new, you may even have heard this story. But for me, I struggled with addiction all through high school and the first part of my first couple of years at Boise Bible College. Now, here's what you need to know about my addiction. Is that for a long time, I believed a lot of different lies. I believed, number one, that I was never going to overcome my addiction. I actually believed that at one point. Like, I'm never actually going to get out of this. And I actually also believe that God wouldn't keep forgiving me and he wouldn't keep loving me. And I also believe that I was alone. And it took God's word, God's spirit, and his people to come together to actually begin to change the way I thought about those things, to actually change the lies that I actually believed. And it happened one uh, time when I was in small group, I had a guy reach out to me and he told me, he said, the next time that you begin to want to be tempted to move into your addiction, I want you to reach out to me. I was kind of like, okay. I didn't really believe him that if I reached out to him that anything would actually happen. But finally, one night, I decided to reach out to him. I remember I was in my dorm room late at night during winter break. I reached out to him. I think it was like 1130 at night. It was late. Even for a college student, that's a little bit late. Okay, 1130 to call somebody. And I called him. And I said, I, I'm going to move into what I know I'm not supposed to do. I'm going to go back to my addiction. And he told me on the phone, he said, I'm coming over. And I was like, what? What do you mean you're coming over? He's like, I'm coming to your dorm room right now. I'll be there in less than 10 minutes. Got out of his apartment, drove, and he came into my dorm room, and he began to pray over me. And he began to pray scripture, actually, over me. And after about a half hour, he looked at me and he said, do you still want to move towards your addiction? And I said, no. And he goes, then I'm good here. I'm going to go back home. And he goes, if it happens again, call me. And in that moment, it literally, like, blew me away. It blew me away that someone would come in the middle of the night and pray over me and speak truth over me and walk beside me in the midst of my addiction. And it actually went against all the lies that I was believing. Do you remember when I told you all the lies I was believing? That I was alone. Was I really alone? 
No. I believed that I would never overcome my addiction. And yet, for the first time, maybe I actually began to overcome my addiction. So was it true that I wasn't going to overcome my addiction? No. Did I believe that Jesus was going to never forgive me and love me and walk beside me? Was that true? No. And this person that came into my dorm room was acting as a representative of who? Jesus. And my life started to get transformed because my brain started to be thinking, the things I'm believing aren't true. God's word is true. And I can do this. Now, was I perfect from that moment on? No. But that was the stake in the ground moment that I'm talking about now. 17 years later, I'm telling you that story. Because it marked me and it changed me and it renewed me and it set me on a path that was very different than the path that I was on before. Here's what's crazy. That transformation process is what the Bible talks about. It's available for you, it's available for me, it's available for all of us. And what is that process? Paul talks about it in Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, he says this, Paul, finally, he ends the letter. Brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, what's the next word? What's the next word? Think. Think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me, you have seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Notice what he says. If you got your Bible and your old school and you got a pen, you got a highlighter, whatever is true, he says, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, think about such things. How powerful are your thoughts? This is how powerful your thoughts are. Apart from God, there is nothing more powerful than your brain. Apart from God, there is nothing more powerful than your brain. Not only in the sense of what you are actually focusing on, your conscious brain, the conscious part of your brain, but even your subconscious. Do you realize that everything you do starts with what you think and what you focus on and what you bring into your life? Caroline Leaf, I've been quoting her throughout this whole journey because she's way smarter than me, number one. And number two, it's fascinating that she's actually a Christian and a neuroscientist, and she has the ability to go, what scripture says and what science says, it's the same. You never hear that ever. And she's saying, no, it's the same. This is what she says. What you wire into your brain through thinking... Remember Paul says, whatever is right, whatever is admirable, whatever is lovely, whatever is good, think about these things. She says, your thinking is stored in your non-conscious mind. The non-conscious mind is where 99.9% of our mind activity is. It is the root level that stores the thoughts with the emotions and perceptions and it impacts the conscious mind, what we say and do. Everything is first a thought. Everything, whether it's your conscience or non-conscience, whatever's coming in here, it starts with a thought. I would argue it starts with a belief. It starts with a belief. And is that belief true? Or is it not true? And we have to wage war within ourselves and ask, ask ourselves that question. Is it true? Or is it not true? Because all of your actions, every single one of our actions, starts with 
what we believe. Every single one of them. For example, every single one of you have a belief and a faith right now. You might be saying, well, I don't believe in God. Well, that might be true. You may not believe in God, but you have faith. No, I don't have faith. Yes, you do. Every single one of you have faith. You have faith right now because you're all sitting on a chair. Everything about that? You have faith that what? The chair is going to hold you up. When you come to an intersection and you stop at a red light, every single one of you is having faith that everybody else is going to stop at a red light and go at a and yellow, like we can have debate about the yellow light, right? <laughs> Speed up, slow down, what am I doing, right? Every single one of us has faith, a belief, which we act out of. Your brain is the most powerful thing apart from God. What are you letting into it? What are you pouring into it? James 1 puts it this way. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and all the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, in your heart and in your mind, which can save you. Hebrews 4.12 says this, for the word of God is alive and it's active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Your mind is powerful. Your thoughts are powerful. Satan's primary weapon is lies, but our greatest counterattack is the truth of God's word. So we have to decide what's going on inside of us. Are we believing truth or believing lies? And Caroline Leaf goes on to say, Satan tries to take advantage of the pull of the five senses through this symbolic level, and he would love it if you respond impulsively to them. What's he saying? What, she, what is she saying? She's saying that for every single one of us, Satan uses our emotions for us to react out of our emotions, which our emotions are true. How we feel is true. Nothing wrong with admitting, this is how I feel, but we don't respond out of that. We don't choose to respond out of that. We aren't animals. We have the ability to, to look and go, what's going on inside of me? What am I going to do? Should I do this? Should I not? This is how I, how I feel. But you are made in God's image, she says, uh, in the mind of Christ. And Jesus told his disciples that all power has been given to him. He says, therefore, all authority has been given to me on heaven and on earth. And he then goes on in Matthew 20, he said, therefore, go and make, what's he say? Go and make, go and make, go and make, all authority has been given to Jesus. Go make disciples. Teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. Truth, not lies. And she goes on to say this. If all power was given to Jesus, how much power does Satan have? None. Or should I say this? Only what we give to him. In our hearts and our minds. He has no power. When you truly let that sink in, you will realize that you control your reactions, your thinking, and your choices. Jesus is inviting you into a process of experiencing peace in every area of your life, but you have to put the work in. You have to put the work in. And this is hard work. The hard work of thinking about the truth and directing yourself to the truth and trusting yourself towards the truth and surrendering yourself to the truth. This takes work. Now, some of you guys are, have those stories where, where uh, Jesus just took away all the temptation. Jesus took away all the addiction. Jesus took away all the difficult things and you were just set free. That does happen. Not the norm, in my opinion. Not the norm. 
It's a process of sanctification. It's a process of continually in it. It's a process of continually trusting Jesus. It's three steps forward, two steps back. Seven steps forward, two steps back. Eight steps forward, four steps back. And over the long haul, you're transformed. But it requires every single one of us, every single day, to surrender ourselves to the truth. What are you putting in? Is it seeds of doubt, seeds of lying, seeds of destruction, or seeds of truth? Seeds of love, right, noble, admirable. Paul puts it this way in Galatians. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps, farming, reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. He says in Colossians 3, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. You might be saying, I've tried this, Justin. I've tried it. It doesn't work. I'm good, then I'm not good. Back, right back to, we talked about this last week. It's going to take time because you've got ruts in your brain. You've got normal thinking patterns that take a long time to be transformed and renewed. In fact, 21 days is what Caroline says. 21 days of coming back to the same thing over and over and over again. Whatever you think about, the most will grow. So the more the cycle moves with a particular thought, the stronger it grows. It takes around 21 days of this cycling for all the necessary protein changes to happen to create a long-term integrated memory. 21 days. So what would it look like for you to say, I'm going to read the Bible, write down the truth, write down the lies, and dialogue with Jesus about it for 21 days. I'm gonna do that, 21 days. Now, if you're like me, you think to yourself, 21 days, I got this. I'm the type of person that's like, hey, I, I'm all in. So for those of you guys that are in the Bible, read the Bible in a year type of people, anybody done that before, read the Bible in a year? You know how many times I failed at that before I finally did it? Probably like six or seven times. Because as soon as you get behind by like four days, you might as well just give up. Because it is so, you're so far behind. That's what I think in my head and my heart. Might as well just give up. My wife, and she's not that way. Even though she gets behind, she'll keep going. Because she's not going to quit. She might be three months behind, but she's going to keep going. Instead of going like, I'm going to read the whole Bible in a year. What if you just said, no, I'm going to just spend significant time with Jesus. I mean, I'm going to write down the truth. I'm going to write down my prayers. I'm write down what I'm struggling with, lies and truth for just 21 days. Just commit to 21. And then another 21. And another 21. For all you crazy Bible in a year project people, like, we'll get caught up to you eventually, right? We'll get caught up to you eventually. But 21 days. Truth, lies. 21 days. What would Jesus do? What could he do? Step number three, here's the thing. We have to be willing to move into a greater progression of this relationship with Jesus. Step number three, you can begin to experience God's best when you learn to direct your thoughts to the truth and declare it. Everybody say declare it. What does that mean? Here's what it means to direct your thoughts and declare your thoughts over your life. It means reading the truth, reading it over and over and over again. Number two, writing the truth over and over and over again. Speaking the truth over and over and over again. And when you, when you see speaking the truth, you're probably already thinking, well, that means I need to go tell people the truth. No, 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 that's not what I'm saying. Maybe, 
That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about getting in a home group where you actually are transparent and vulnerable about the lies that you're believing, but also the truth that you're wrestling with and you're speaking that over your life. Talking about you. This is what I'm wrestling with with Jesus this week. This is what Jesus is saying to me this week. That's what speaking truth is over your life. Lastly, it's singing it. Singing it. You see, the worship team, when they come up here, not only are they leading us and putting Jesus before us in the throne room where we worship him and give him the praises that Jesus deserves. No doubt we're doing that. You know what we're also doing? Transforming our hearts and our minds towards the truth. And singing it does that. I talked about this during our worship sermon series in June. Singing actually heals your brain. Praying actually heals your brain. You can actually transform your heart and your mind by writing, reading, speaking, singing. Do you know what the Bible calls this? The Bible calls this meditating. 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 Psalm chapter one. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he, what's it say? He, one minute a day. Is that what it says? That's not what it says. Meditates on it day and night. You see, you see the, the idea, do we need to go to a quiet place? And meditate on God's word, 100%. But meditates on it day and night, well, I got work to do, man. Like, how am I supposed to do it day and night? I've got, like, planes to fly. I've got, like, electrician stuff to do. I've got, like, you know, kids to take care of at home. I've got stuff to rebuild, homes to remodel. Like, what do you mean? I'm supposed to meditate. How am I supposed But what are you thinking about when you do those things? What's the inner dialogue when you're doing those things? How are you doing those things? With the fruit of the spirit or the fruit of the flesh? Not only that, but that word meditate, you guys heard me say this before, that word meditate is a Hebrew word, haga. Everybody say haga. Look to your partner and go haga. And if you're spitting on each other, you're doing it right, okay? That Hebrew word, is the picture of an animal, a lion, that's growling over its prey and protecting its... It's with a a tenacity, an intensity from which you meditate over God's word. Is it a quiet place? Absolutely. But the idea of just like... No, it's like... I'm meditating over God's word and I want it to be a part of my life. It's like I talked about capturing the lies. How do we do it? With an intensity from which we think about what's going on in our hearts and our minds. This is how we're called to meditate on the truth, to direct our thoughts and declare truth over our life with an intensity, with a meditation. And here's the thing. That process of chewing on God's word, wrestling with God's word. Like, I don't know if you guys remember, like, (laughs) 
this illustration, I think it's funny. You may not think it's funny. Have you ever had tough steak? Or have you had to chew on it over and over? And you're like, man, like, ugh. Like, works the jaw muscle, right? Remember Dennis the Menace in the early 90s when the steak got ruined with the paint on it? Does anybody remember that scene? Like, chewing on it, chewing on it, chewing on it. I'm like, oh, I can't even. It's like that process. It's hard work. And guess what? Our society has taught us not to do the hard work. We, throw, we scroll through social media. We see headlines. Oh, the headline, truth, move along. Half the time, the headline isn't even the truth, you guys. But we take it as the truth. We don't even ask like hard questions. We don't even like engage our brain and our heart as to like, is this actually the truth? And what is the truth? Am I gonna trust the truth? Or am I just gonna keep believing the same thing over and over and over again? I have my entire life. You know what God wants us to do? Do hard things. To do the hard things. Because in that moment, when we're willing to do the hard things, we find the greatest things in life, the greatest things that God has to offer, oftentimes are the most difficult things. The story in the gospel, the kingdom of God. Where do you find the kingdom of God? It's the guy who dug up land and found treasure, Jesus talks about. And when he found that treasure, remember what the guy does? He goes and he buys the whole plot. What's that story about? It's about someone who's like, if you're gonna find the kingdom of God, it's gonna require digging and hard work, but when you find it, there's nothing greater. Greater. So are you willing to do that? Are you willing to direct your heart towards the truth and declare truth over your life? So we talked about this last week, that you've gotta recognize the lie, you gotta capture it, and after you recognize the lie and you capture it, you have to replace it with, uh, remember, replace it with uh, truth. Here's the next step you have to do. Recognize the lie. Oh, I'm believing this. You're gonna recognize it when you're talking to your wife, when you're talking to your home group. You know, oh, I be I'm believing this. And I know this is the truth. Here's the next thing you have to do. You have to declare truth over your life. You have to declare the truth over your life. What does that mean? I'm just gonna give you an example. Be really transparent with you. This is my, this is some of my journal entries I'm about ready to share with you. Things that the Lord has redeemed out of my life and is still redeeming out of my life. I shared with you this lie a couple weeks ago. My worth is based upon my performance. If I perform well, then I'm valuable. If I produce results, then I'm valuable. Here's the truth, Jeremiah 31. I have loved you, my people, with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with my unfailing kindness. There is a difference between those two statements, isn't there? That my value is not based upon my performance, but it's based upon God's love and his faithfulness to me. And so I've had to write this and declare this over my life over and over again. God's love for me is not based upon performance, but instead based upon his faithfulness to me. Therefore, I will learn to walk in God's grace and get up and try again and again and again because God loves me and he died for me. I will not allow the enemy to shame me and beat me up for my failures, but instead allow Jesus to convict and grow me. I've had to say that over my life. Over and over and over again. To declare it over my life. The lie, the truth, and declaring it. 
as truth in my life. Another one, I'll share this one with you. It's my responsibility to grow the church. My sole responsibility, it's all on me. That's not true. Jesus said this, I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I, Jesus, will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Jesus promises he will build his church. It's not my church. It's his church. Therefore, I will not worry about the results, but instead focus on faithfulness to him and his mission by preaching the gospel and sharing my life with others, knowing that he brings the fruitfulness. What lie are you believing? What truth are you recognizing that you need to put in your heart and your brain, and what are you declaring over your heart? Paul says, whatever is right, whatever is lovely, what is admirable, think about these things. Meditate on my word. What do you need to start declaring over your life? As a declaration to yourself and to the enemy, the truth's gonna win out, not him. And then he has zero power in your life. And today's the day where, as funny as it is, like, for real, not today, Satan. Not today. I'm done. I'm done. You can begin to experience the peace of God if you're willing to direct your thoughts to the truth and declare truth over your life over and over and over again. When we choose to do that, when we choose to be a people that direct our thoughts to the truth and declare it for ourselves, we begin to change our brains, our lives. We begin to be transformed. We begin to be people of peace. And if you've got peace with God, you're gonna move towards having peace with yourself. And when you have peace with yourself, you're gonna begin to have peace with others. You don't have peace in your marriage? Ask yourself this question. Do you got peace? Do you have peace with God? Well, it's, it's his fault. Yeah, may, maybe. Contributing factor? Yeah, maybe. But what about you? What lies are you believing? When you have peace with yourself, it's amazing. Like, when you look at your kids conversations move to more peace involved conversations when it comes to your your boss who's a pain if you got peace with yourself all of a sudden you look at your boss differently what does it look like for you to walk into moving your heart and your brain and your thoughts to truth and declaring it over you. Whatever you've learned or heard from me, Paul says in Philippians 4, or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Starting next week, we're gonna start looking at what it means to put it into practice. Put it into practice. As we wrap up today, take home. You can begin to experience God's best when you learn to direct your thoughts, the truth and declare it. Direct your thoughts and declare your thoughts by reading truth writing truth, speaking truth, singing truth? And have you actually begun the process of doing this? Now, I wanna just talk to the men real quick before we close out. Here's the thing. Talked to a guy this last week who's a leader in our church for the first time ever. He's not just reading the word of God. He's actually reading the word of God and journaling about it. And I know for some of you guys, you're like, guys don't journal, man. 
Guys, don't journal. I'm a dude, don't journal. Let me tell you, I've got a list of 20 things that remove a man card. Journaling is not one of them, okay? <laughs> I'm serious. What you're actually afraid of, because, oh, I don't, I don't journal. You know what you're afraid of? You're afraid of intimacy. You're afraid of, of God being in your business because the enemy thinks you've, believed, you've begun the lie that the enemy's way is better. The intimacy is a bad thing. No, God wants you to be intimate with him, close to him, which requires you to actually think about what you're reading. Guys aren't just, we're, we're not just cavemen. We're not just isolated beings. I don't care what society says. You're made for a relationship with God and a relationship with other guys. And so this week I started to ask the guy, I'm like, so tell me, what, what's happening as you're journaling? He's like, it's, it's, it's a very different experience when I just read the word of God and move on with my life than when I actually start to journal. I go, how so? He goes, I'm actually like asking the question, what am I actually reading? And what is Jesus actually saying to me? How's it changing the way you're approaching things? I, I don't know, I'm kind of new to this, but seems like I've got a little bit more peace as I move into the rest of my day. Why? Because he's heard from Jesus. Don't get me wrong. Like we need to read the word of God from an, from an informative place where we're learning and being challenged. But you guys, it has to start from a formative place where we're allowing the, the truth to form our hearts, to form our minds, to transform the way we think. And if all we do is read it from an informative, like, what can I know? What can I learn? My knowledge. That's all in the place we learn it from. You know what? We actually don't really turn into human beings that love other human beings well. So guys, you want to love your spouse well? Start reading. Putting the truth in your heart. Start talking to Jesus about your wrestlings, the lies, and start declaring truth over your life. Women, same is true for you. Same is true for you. And lastly, for some of you in the room today, this whole idea of listening to Jesus' voice, you've never actually completely surrendered yourself to the truth of Jesus' voice in your life. And just like Linda, You've never submitted, surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus in your life. You've never accepted, repented, believed, confessed, repented, and gotten baptized. And that's the step that you have before you. Next week, we've got another gal. She's never been baptized. She's like, I'm all in. I'm all in and following Jesus. What about you? As we get ready to go to the table this, uh, this morning, this afternoon, I want to invite you just to pray about two things. What is the next step that Jesus has for you? What is your next step? What's he telling you out of this message, out of, out of our conversation today? What is it that Jesus is telling you to take and will you talk to him about it? And whatever it is he's telling you to do, dive in head first. Secondly, do you know somebody else that is struggling with truth and the lies? Would you pray for them? Would you pray over them? And would you minister to them this week? Let's spend some time praying this morning as we get ready to go to the table.